The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. everything to us. We love you, Lord. We appreciate you, O God. Father, forever you'll be our God. You are the solid rock upon which we stand. Without you, Lord, where will we be? We appreciate your grace. We appreciate your mercy. We appreciate your goodness, your goodness that does not expire. We say, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for gathering us together again this morning. Even as we have come, Lord, we ask, O God, that your word Father, will meet us at the point of our needs. That your Lord will refresh, your word will refresh us, oh God. Father, Lord, that nothing in us or around us will be a source of distraction in the mighty name of Jesus. That our entire being, Lord, will be attuned to that which you have for us in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord Almighty, that here today, let Jesus increase and let me decrease, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Honor, majesty, the Lord, we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Shall we all be seated, please? Thank you very much. Thank you, Father. Good morning once again. This morning, I just want to do a recap. You know, in the last seven weeks, or before then, actually, at the beginning of this year, God gave us a word. And I believe we are all running with it. What was that word? Victory. Just one word. It's actually a good word to write as a sticker. For those who like stickers on their cars, you write the word victory and put it on. I'm sure it will elicit 
a couple of questions for people who would like to know. Victory from what? Victory from what? And we know what it is. We thank God for the victory. Thank you. Thank God that he has. Because he's told us we believe it. Because he said so. And because we believe it, we know it shall be so in our lives in Jesus' name. So it is now left for us to walk in that victory. It is now left for us, oh God, of course, to stand in that victory knowing. It's almost like saying, I know the answer even before I get the question. So if you go to an example, they give you the question. They already told you this is the answer. Whether the question looks tough or it looks easy, it wouldn't really matter because you already know the answer. Praise the Lord. So no matter the tough situations you are facing, no matter the challenges you are having right now, no matter the uncertainty you are facing, you already know that Jesus has given you the victory. Amen? And so you have the courage to bear it. You have the courage to withstand that situation knowing that victory is yours no matter what. So in the past seven weeks, our pastor has been teaching us some proven principles that will ensure our victory, what we call the probe, de deploy, how to deploy these proven, um, proven principles of war. It's been such an awesome, awesome teaching. So much to learn, so much we have learned, so many new things of, you know, maybe that will help us, that is going to help us for sure in how we move. Pastor had talked about the principle of objective, which was the very first one that we started with. He talked about the principle of mass, a principle of maneuver. We talked about the principle of intelligence. We talked about the principle of um, security. And last week, we looked at the unity of command. Praise the Lord. And for us as a church, we've said that this year, 2015, that our objective is what? Okay. Well, I hear a lot of mutterings, but I didn't quite hear what I wanted to hear. Maybe somebody needs to speak up. So what did we say is our objective as a church for 2015? Praise the Lord. That's what I want. I wanted the boldness. You see, if you believe in something, you say with all boldness. It's like we were not sure. But now we say it. It is our objective as a church is to do everything apart from sinning to connect to Christ. Simple. Simple objective. And Pastor threw a challenge at us. He said, imagine if every one of us were to bring one person to Christ every month. He said, starting from this month of March, one person to Christ every month means that at the end of the year, you would have brought how many people? Ten. And that's just the minimum. So imagine if the entire church, maybe say we are like a thousand people, and each of us brings ten persons, how, much would, how many people would that be? Wow. I mean, what an awesome testimony that will be at the end of the year. So I believe you and I have taken up the challenge. I believe so, or am I? Have we? Praise the Lord. So March is just, he still has a couple of weeks, so plenty of time to win. In fact, more than one, self, the way I see it. Because I know that the way we are in GFH, at the end of this year, people will be coming with 20, 30, 40. Amen. And God will give us the grace to do so in the mighty name of Jesus. So that's our objective as a church. 
make sure that we connect everybody. Or we do all that it takes to connect people to Christ. Praise the Lord. So with the teachings we have had on the proven uh, principles of, of, of war, I'm sure we are all fired up about this victory. Or at least we are getting fired up. If you are not there yet, I'm fired up. I mean, some people are just, they take, you know, it takes longer to warm up and get into it. But I'm fired up about it. Knowing what we know right now. You know, just like when um, they sent out the, the spies to go and spy on the land, Caleb and Joshua came back. They came back with that report. They said, what did they say? They said, we are well able to take the land. Because they knew the God they were serving. Now we have been taught all those principles of, of war. So we can then say, I mean, I know these things, and so I have the victory. Praise the Lord. So these teachings are not for nothing. They are not just for decoration, to write something in a book. They, these are tools, tools for life change. Tools for life change, tools for destiny change. If you go in one direction and that direction is like a wall, nothing is moving there. And you've taken, you know what, I'm going to go through that wall. You have to be doing something different. You need another tool. You've been going there with a, maybe with a, um, a small uh, hammer to, to do that and nothing has happened. Now you've been given a bigger tool. You've been given an axe. So you know that that wall is going to come down. Because I have another tool that I can use. That's what those principles are for. They are not for decoration. They are not just a history lesson. These are life-changing lessons. And God will give us that victory in the name of Jesus. But this morning, as we go on, and as we wait to conclude the, um, that series when Pastor gets back, I just want us to pause for a while and talk about those things that, that can prevent us from that victory. What I have titled, Showstoppers on the Road to Victory. Showstoppers on the Road to Victory. And I, just, I have a simple, a very uh, simple text this morning, and it's the book of First uh, Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Just a summary of what that should stop I can do. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. The NLT version says, If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Praise the Lord. The Amplified Version talks about be careful not to fall into sin. So it's not really about physical fall. It's just about a spiritual fall. Praise the Lord. So at that, in the, um, as we look at, at uh, one of those things that can prevent us from that victory, I want us to look at the first thing is presumption. 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 Presumption really, what it says is like, you assume that it's, I know it all. I know it all. I am very conversant with this situation. I'm very familiar with this battle. I have seen it before. I've done this before. I've done that before. You presume that it is business as usual. You presume that the battle is the same. You presume that the enemy is going to use the same tactics that he used in the past. And so we presume, but we presume wrongly because there's a, a story in... Um, in the, that is a, a Bible passage, Psalm 78 verse 9, in the Bible, and I'm not very sure about, you know, how, uh, what happened, but it says that, it says, the warriors of Ephraim, 
though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. Though armed with bows, a bow is a weapon. So they had a weapon. But it says on the day of battle, they turned and fled. Why? To start with, it describes them as warriors. They were not recruits. A warrior means someone who is used to war. Someone who is trained in the art of battle. He knows how to fight. He knows what to do. It says they were armed with bows. But on that day when they got to the battlefield, they fled. How can that be? Why? Although there is no description about what happened because I checked through. But I believe that maybe when they got there, they looked at their enemies and their bows were totally inadequate. Or they looked at the situation and they said, no, my enemy is better armed than I am. With my bows, what can I do? And they fled. It's, it doesn't, it didn't say everything about what they, didn't, what they did do or what they didn't do. However, it just tells me, it said, I mean, if these are warriors, if we say that uh, these are civilians, you can say, okay, they are civilians. So when they go to the battle, the battlefield was so hot, they can run. These are seasoned warriors. You know, and a lot of things bypassed Ephraim on account of this. In fact, when they were actually looking for leaders, the tribe of Ephraim was bypassed. That act of cowardice impacted on them. And what happened to them? They got there, they could not fight. They fled in the day of battle. But we will not flee in the face of battle in the name of Jesus. We will not be presumptuous. We will not underestimate what is going on or the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. Another thing that we'll consider is overconfidence. Overconfidence, which is tied to, to pride, really. Overconfidence can, you know, it, it, it's, it will make you look down on, you know, what I'll call your, maybe your commander-in-chief, your spiritual father. It will make you look down on the person who is in charge. You say, what do they know that I don't know? I mean, we have been Christians for the past 50 years. I mean, I've been born again forever. This one that just... God, God again, 10 years ago. What does he know that I don't know? What prayer has he, will he pray that I have not prayed before? What instructions? How does he know how to invoke the spirit? Does he know to do the gym gym that will bring down, you know, things? Ah, we have been there before. That's what overconfidence does. It will make you, you disregard instructions. Make you disregard instructions. Overconfidence will make you to... Disengage from the task, the task that has been given. Disengage from the task and the set down procedures and processes of getting victory. You say, I have been there. Been there, done that. What else is new? It will make you not to seek for help where you should. What help can they render? I know it all. I'm very smart. I am good. I am perfect. What can anybody say to me? I can do this all by myself. That's overconfidence. It is a major showstopper for victory. Praise the Lord. And the third one we'll look at is the issue of enemies in the camp. I didn't say enemies outside the camp because those ones, you, can, you know them. You, find, you can find a way around them. I say enemies in the camp. And these are people that are usually close to you. People who are close to you, you know, and I ask the question, 
Who are these people? Do you really know them? Do you know these people that are close to you? Are they really with you? Are they really for you? Are they really for you? These are people who are so close to you, you believe that whatever they say is something that is for your good. I mean, it cannot be a bad thing. If an enemy were to come from outside and start saying things to you, you pay attention because you want to counter or you want to, you are ready or you are on alert. But when somebody that is very, very close to you, when they start to say things, you, you just, you assume that that person knows me, that person wishes me well, that person is saying the right thing, that person knows, you know, I, I, I mean, I can feel relaxed in the presence of this person. But, I mean, is this always so? Not necessarily. The fact that you know somebody from childhood, we all used to play in the sand, we all used to play ten-ten as small girls, you know, we all had fun, we all used to go into each other's house to eat, they come to my house, my mother will prepare, we eat. I go to their house, they'll prepare, we eat. So we are friends. She has my best interest at heart. True or false? Maybe I will stay in the middle. It could be true, but it may not also be true. So, but why we are talking about enemies in the camp is that these are the people that know you the most. They know your life history. And because they know your life, they know where you're coming from. And they believe that they are the ones that can set your potential. This is where you can be. This is where you can go. And because, you know, people who are closest to you are the ones that can hurt you the most. You have to be very careful. Pay attention to the people that are closest to you. I say it, Hoha. That's how it is. There's no pretense. Pretense has cost people a lot of things. Or rather, denial. This person is my friend, and so I believe that that person is close to me. But are they really that close? Do they really want what you want? Do, are they really for you? There's a Yoruba adage that says that kokorotonje efo, inu efo longbe. For those who don't know what it means, it means that it says the insect that eats the vegetable, the vegetation, lives where? Inside, inside the vegetation. If you see a rabbit coming to eat the vegetation, you can chase the rabbit away. See it. But that one, you, all you see is just the vegetation. They'll be chipping it all around, all around. Where is the, the insect is right there. So the person that, the, even the Bible tells us, it says, the man's enemies are those of his own household. Simple. I'm not saying that we cannot have friends. Yes, God blesses us with good people in our lives. But pay attention. Do not take anything for granted. I, I mean, I'll give you a personal experience because um, I, I, you know this thing about hearing or listening. You have somebody that is close to you. Every time they open their mouth to say something, you just assume, of course, they can only say good things about me. I, I, have, I have a friend, and I'm, I'm still using the word present tense because um, still a friend. But very close to me, I had an issue with one of my staff, my um, uh, house health, and uh, it was an issue of, um, of stealing, pilfering, and I was going to fire him. Now, in the process of sitting there and uh, discussing and then talking about it, the heat of the issue, uh, my friend walks in, 
And uh, when she walked in, ah, what's going on, Gloria? What's happening? What's happening? And I, I, I said, well, this is what has happened. Uh, this boy has been stealing from me. I've never really caught him. And because he's uh, like connected to, to my in-law, I did not want to fire him. But today, today is that day of judgment. He has to go. So she was there, and then she started talking. And um, the, the boy, what he stole this time around was just some calendars that I had, I had in the house. And um, when she started talking, she, you know, she started saying something like, um, you see, Gloria is my friend. Um, I mean, all the chairs, all her furniture, they were all imported. Um, even though my own, um, I mean, I just bought my own locally. Um, her fridge, she has a double door fridge. I mean, I have a single door fridge. Um, I mean, everything in her house and this and that. And I was actually, I was hearing her talk, but I was not listening. And all of a sudden, I'm sure it's the Holy Spirit that nudged me. Are you even listening? So, and then she went on, and then all the things. And, I, and then I said to her, uh-uh, wait. I'm talking about this boy that stole calendar. He didn't steal a chair. What has chair got to do with it? But you see, this was what was in her mind. And at that moment... I recalled a conversation that somebody had with me a couple of months before that time. A man that said to me, I don't know this type of friendship people are doing, so you don't know that she's jealous of you. And I dismissed it at the time he said it. But you see, that came back to me. We are talking about calendar. You are telling about chair and table and fridge. What has that got to do with anything? But you see, that revelation had to come out. But if the Holy Spirit had not nudged me to listen, I was just hearing. And I, I would not have known. I mean, was she my friend? Yes, she was my friend. And she's still my friend. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> she's still my friend. But was she for me? Obviously not. Was she close to me? Very close. I mean, this, this is a friend that will come to my house. And she had the right to go to my pot of soup, carry it, take food, come, sit down, eat. No questions asked. In fact, we'll be happy that she did that. That's how close. But that was what she had in her heart. She was jealous of my company and I did not know it. But she was close to me. And so that's how it is with many of us. Either we are in denial or this person can never do me wrong. How many, many people have had their hearts broken by assuming this position. And that's why I'm, using, I'm saying enemies in the camp. Be very careful. Pay attention to the people that are close to you. Pay attention to them. Don't be ignorant. Praise the Lord. And the fourth one is letting your guards down. Letting your guards down. You know, when we begin to see signs of progress... When things are beginning to look good, we've been, you know, we look at it, maybe some doors that had been difficult to open before, they begin to open of their own accord. Even some new doors begin to open. Businesses that we have been looking for, now they are the ones calling you, come, 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 come and do this. So things start to look good. It is possible to then begin to relax and let your guards down. But that's not the time to do so. And the reason is this, that because... It's, it's letting your guard down means, could mean several things. One of them, and majorly, is your spiritual life. 
If you're someone that used to pray for two hours before, you had the time to do your praise and worship, you had the time to pray, meditate on God's word, study God's word, these things begin to happen, you begin to be in a hurry. And so you reduce the time, that quiet time, that time with the Lord, you reduce it to one hour. And then the business partner that say, we have to meet, we have to meet, and you reduce it to 30 minutes. And then after some time, it's now be prayer on the go. Chap, sharp, quick, quick. Father, thank you, Lord. I pray as I go, I bind, I lose. And then you are off to go. Sharp, sharp prayer. That begins to happen. Even some, to the extent that they look at it and they say, ah, even Sunday service, self, that is the time that I need to go and hang with the boys on the golf course, even though you don't play golf. But these are your new business associates. They play golf, and so you want more business, you want to impr uh, 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 impress them, you want to see, look, oh, I am with you. Mark, you, I'm not saying that it is wrong for you to go for recreation. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I'm not saying it is good. But hey, we are talking about priority here. When those things that you are getting begin to compete for your time with God, then that becomes an issue. Then that is going to impact your spiritual life. Say to your friends, I have to go to church first. I have to do this. Why? Well, let us meet after church. I mean, people know what I stand for. But if you look at my phone, nobody calls me. In fact, between, after some time, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, I say, ah, people have just given me up on Sunday. They don't bother to call me because they say, she will be in church. We don't. When I was working, my office had to come and know. They say, madam, please, where is your church? We need to know the church. So that if we need you, we will come there because we know you will never pick your phone. God, make God your priority. Make God your priority. You'll be the one to influence these new business partners. You'll be the one to tell them, ah, nah, ah, let's go to church now. When we finish, then we can go to the golf course. Bring them. Why should you compromise for them? Why can't they compromise for you? When, you take our, when we take our work with God seriously, that's what happens. That's what happens. Praise the Lord. And so we need to make sure that our spiritual life does not suffer. The Bible enjoins us, it says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. It says, never stop praying. Never stop praying. So when you are planning for this victory, for this breakthrough, you are praying. When you, ask, when you see the doors begin to open, what's going to keep them open? It's prayer. When the doors fling open for you, to remain open is what? It's prayer. When you finally get to where you are going and the breakthrough has come, what's going to help you sustain and maintain that, prayer, that breakthrough is prayer. So at no time, there's no time for you to say, I am done. I'm ready. Oh, okay, there's no more time for this. Because a weakened spiritual life is a vulnerable life. It's a vulnerable life that will be open to all the whims and caprices of the enemy if we don't watch it. So the fact that things are looking up does not mean that it is time to relax. There's a songwriter for a song which I, I love very much. I'm sure many of us would know it. Just a, a hymn, and I'll, I'll take the, two, the first two verses because it actually talks about the things that, you know, why as a Christian we should not, we should not uh, let down our, our guards. And uh, this is, the, this is the, the hymn. 
I, I believe someone in the choir can help us as we sing this one. One, two. All right. We'll just take the first two verses because it gives us succinctly what we are talking about. for when your unguarded hours the time when you let your guards down the time when you feel like everything is okay so I don't need to pray I don't need to worship I don't need to study my Bible that's when it is the Bible says that if the strong man had known when the robber would come would they have been able to steal from his house no he would have gotten himself ready. So that's what it is. We cannot afford to let our guards down. And the Bible tells us why. Why should we watch and pray? It says in 1 Peter 5, 8. 1 Peter 5, 8. In the end it says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Another translation says, looking for someone to cause to backslide. That is the end. He says, it's going, it's going all around. Looking for any way we can make you to backslide, to derail, to move from that, to remove your focus from where you should be going. That is what the enemy is doing. That is his mandate. He's relentless in his pursuit. He doesn't stop. Praise the Lord. Same thing goes for Bible study. They're studying the word of God. When they say we have Bible study, you used to be here, sharp, sharp. When they say it's time for service, you are here on time. But now, because you are too busy, you cannot attend. But that is not it. Because the word of God is your sure weapon. Join a live group. Be in a, be in a unit. Do some things. Attend prayer meetings. Join the corporate fast. When they say it's time for fasting, don't say that's when they have a, have a business lunch. That one lunch won't do anything for you. It won't kill you if you don't eat it. Praise the Lord. We have to take the things of God seriously. We Christians, we compromise too much. In the kingdom of God, they don't compromise. Their pursuit is relentless. Their mission is steadfast. Their mission is to derail the Christian. And the day we begin to reason that, look, this enemy I'm fighting does not have a, what, time out to give me time. No. Then we will begin to focus. We begin to take our work with God seriously. We begin to value our spiritual life. So what am I saying? Guard your spiritual life jealously. Guard your spiritual life jealously. Praise the Lord. Another um, item that can stop our victory work is premature celebration. 
premature celebration. Knowing these principles that we've been given, we know that, of course, victory is going to be, to be ours. So because we know these principles, we have an advantage over the enemy. But we've been told that advantage is not victory. Two different things. It just means that you are one step ahead of the enemy. And that way you have the, the, the weapons to tackle the enemy. So when we see ourselves making these inroads, making this progress that we've talking about, I believe it's not yet time to celebrate or to announce to the world, oh, see you, I have arrived. You know, it's, um, we, we say that in the life of Joseph. Joseph was a young man, and all of a sudden he has this dream. He saw the brothers' bundles of grain bowing to his. And he went and told them, ah, bros, come and see, oh, this thing happened. In fact, I saw your own brother Reuben. Your own bundle of grain was bowing to my own. Uh, brother Judah, brother this. He called them. And he, of course, he must have liked what he saw because he ran to them the second time. He said, ah, this, other, this second dream, in fact, is too fantastic. I saw it. This time, the sun, the moon, the stars, everybody, mm, they were bowing to me. What happened? The guy did not know how to manage the victory that he was getting. Watch what you say and who you say it to. It is not every time that you start to talk. Some people, the moment they see a light at the end of the tongue, they begin to tell everybody, it's coming, the light, the light, the light. I've seen light. It could be the light of day or it could be the light of a freight train coming at you. But you have to know, what light am I seeing? And how am I going to manage it? Manage what you are seeing. Know when to talk. You know, in this walk, in this victory, youthful exuberance can be an issue. When you are too quick to declare your victory, when you were too... No. You need to secure your victory before you celebrate. Secure that victory. Don't be too quick to tell everybody, especially, and it happens when people, especially when they have been waiting for such a long time for this breakthrough, so that at the moment they come, they are running. They are running to tell somebody, watch, watch, secure that victory before you announce it. Secure that victory before you celebrate. Praise the Lord. Another showstopper that we know of is doubt, or what we call easily unbelief. I mean, unfortunately, in spite of those prison principles that we have been taught and the fact that God has said his victory for us, I know that some people still struggle. They probably be saying, is it true? Is it possible? I don't know. Will I really be able to walk a victor, to have a victorious life? Will I be able to walk in victory? You know, that is doubt. And it reminds me of that king's official. When Elisha said, this time tomorrow... So and so and so we happen. And the kings of Israel said, Ah, ah, could this thing be? Could this thing be? And we know what Elisha said to him. He pronounced a judgment on him and it came to pass the very next day. But we will not be like that official in the name of Jesus. Our, we will not doubt the move of God. We will not doubt what God, what God can do in the mighty name of Jesus. We will see the good of the land and we will eat from it in the mighty name of Jesus. Because doubt is like saying to God, you are not able to do what you say. That's what it is, simple. You are saying to God, you are not able to do what you say. Ha! Huh. The one who created the heavens and the earth. 
What can he not do? That your small, that your matter is too small in the scheme of things. It's too small for you to doubt him just because you are looking for bread, small. And then you can write a whole God off by doubting him. May we not be like that in the name of Jesus. Unbelief is the opposite of faith because not having faith in Christ that has given us the victory will ensure that we do not appropriate it. So I want to encourage us, even as we walk on this road to victory, whenever doubt creeps into our mind, I want to encourage us by reminding us of what Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 10 verse 19. This is what he says, and I'm using the amplified version, which is very, very expansive. It says, behold, I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses. How much power? One quarter? Half? How much? All. All the power that the enemy possesses. And nothing shall in any way harm you. Wow. I read that and I went back again. All. It says all the, all the power that the enemy possesses. So that no matter what the enemy is bringing. All of that antics. All of his gimmicks. All of his games. All the challenges. All the problems. says I have given you power, power over all of them. Praise the Lord. Our God is faithful. This is what Jesus himself said. Nobody has wrote it. Jesus himself said this. And we believe. We believe so. And you know, the last time I checked, Jesus has not taken back that power. I looked in his word. He gave that power. He has not, he has not said withdrawn and taken it back somewhere else. That power is still here. Fully available. Totally available. But only to those who believe. Only to those who are willing to exercise that authority. The power is right there. So when we are not working in that victory, it's not his fault. He has made it available to you. And like somebody giving you a check, say go to the bank and collect the money. And you are complaining you don't have money. You are holding on to the check. You can't go to the bank. You get to the bank, you stand at the door of the bank, you don't enter, you hold the check. Who is going to cash it for you? That's exactly what it is. That power is there, available for us in the mighty name of Jesus. So you, you, God will give us the grace because I, I, I see doubts. I see that as something that does not honor God. It doesn't honor God. It can only stand in the way of your blessing. God will give us the grace not to doubt his word, not to doubt what he can do. Every time doubt comes to your mind, Recall what Jesus said and what he has done for you. So, in fact, recall the things he has done for you in the past. That is enough to fire up your faith. That's enough to drive doubts from you. Every time you recall, God did this for me. Because, you know, our problem is that sometimes we are a bit forgetful. We have received that breakthrough. We move. We go away. Then when we are on the way to another one, we see this. Ah, we forget that God saw us through. God saw us through before and he can do it again. Praise the Lord. And the seventh one I'm looking at is secret sins. What I titled secret sins. 
And by saying secrets, because um, sometimes, you know, these are sins that nobody else knows about. Something that only you, only you, even people that are closest, closest to you may not know about this sin. It could be a habit that you have formed. It could be a character trait that is unbecoming of a child of God. You don't say it out so nobody knows. You're on the outside, everybody's nice, praising God, lifting up hands, uh, looking very pious, um, very Christianist in quotes, and everything is nice. But really you know that what you are displaying on the outside does not match who you are on the inside. That's why it's called a secret sin, known to you. But, you know, the people around you or the people close to you, they don't see it, but God sees it. The people around you, they don't know it, but you know what? Guess what? Jesus knows it. He sees it and he knows it. It's just always that. See, those sins at one point or the other will come back to haunt us. Those sins at one point or the other will come and stand in the way of our victory. I mean, for, for example, it, it's, it's, you will find that those sins, when they want to haunt us, the accuser will come. He will be carrying that same sin that we have hidden and saying, to, and saying that, hey, 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 don't forget, oh, this is it. Especially unconfessed sin. Because they are no longer secret if you confess it to God and seek for forgiveness. But so long as we harbor it and keep it, I define it as a secret sin. And it talks about, it says, because the, the, the accuser will come, always come and use that. It says in the book of Revelations chapter 12, verse 10, the B part in NLT version, it says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God when? Day and night. Day and night. 24-7, 365 days. Guy doesn't stop. The enemy doesn't stop. He said he accuses us before our God, our Father. So when we have a secret sin, you have given him a weapon with which to accuse us. Praise the Lord. So because the enemy accuses us day and night, he's relentless. He will keep on doing that. He will keep on, and all, all he's doing is trying to prevent us from being victorious in a particular area of our lives. He may use different antics, but you know what? The mission remains the same. He's never tired of trying to accuse us. A, a man of God once said that uh, there is only one motto in the kingdom of darkness. And that motto is, let's try again. So the, no matter the times the enemy may have tried concerning your matter, and he has failed, and will continue to fail in Jesus' name, the fact that he failed yesterday, you think that he will learn and go away, Right? wrong. Because he did not succeed yesterday, he will say, let me try again today. Perchance I forget. So that's why we have to make sure that the accuser does not have anything against us. But thanks be to God. We have Jesus, our advocate. He's there. The God that does not sleep or slumber as for as long as the enemy is there accusing us, Jesus is there trying to plead our case before the Father. Amen. So when those times when the accuser comes and is saying objection, objection, just like they say in court, objection to this good for this person, objection to this breakthrough, Jesus is standing there and waiting for you to say, Lord, concerning this area of my life, I'm sorry. I confess this sin. I confess this sin. So that when the accuser stands and is shouting, objection, what would Jesus say? 
overruled. That is what he's trying to do. Praise the Lord. So we need to make sure that we don't have the tool that the enemy can use, can raise the flag of objection for us. For example, you have somebody who, um, a, a young person, you know, a young lady who got married, looking for the fruit of the womb, seeking the face of God and everything else. And then uh, um, the time for that breakthrough to come through us, the accuser will come and say, ah, uh -uh, no, uh -uh, I object. Why? This one, when she committed three abortions in the past, why would I? Why should he? Why should she have a child? Why? He will hold that against you. He committed murder. Doesn't deserve a child. Who can wash that slate clean? Jesus. With his precious blood, the blood is there already. Just ready for you. Waiting for you to own up to what you did. Because when you did it, it was just you and maybe the young man or young men that were involved. And you thought nobody else knew. But here you are. You have changed. You are now a child of God. But that thing goes, still goes unconfessed. See, the Bible says whoever hides his thing will not prosper. So we need to come clean before God. So that God, will, whenever the enemy comes and says this about us, Jesus stands there and says, overruled. Because he has shed his blood. That blood was shed so that you and I can always have victory in the name of Jesus. He is our advocate. He never changes. His, his, his mission, Jesus' mission is not to accuse you. His mission is to favor you. His mission is to give you that your heart's desire. But you cannot do it when we harbor, you know, secret sins in our lives. And Jesus says in John verse 14, uh, chapter, chapter 14 verse 30, John 14 30 in the Amplified he says, I will not talk much, will not talk with you much more. For the prince, the evil genius, the ruler of this world is coming and he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. And he has no power over me. Praise the Lord. This is what Jesus says. Can we say that about ourselves? Can you say, nope, I don't have anything that belongs to the enemy. So the enemy cannot run, raise up his hand and object to my blessing. We have to answer those questions ourselves. It's something that requires us to look inwards. You don't have to confess to anybody. Go to the Lord. Pray about it. Ask him for forgiveness. Come clean. Let's not pretend that nothing happened. Praise the Lord. Because Jesus is always there. He's waiting. He's waiting as our advocate. He's waiting to cleanse us. He's waiting to pardon us. Waiting to wash us clean. Waiting to restore us. Praise the Lord. Now, to prevent some of these showstoppers, we have looked at seven of them, and it is not totally exhausted. There are so many other things that the Holy Spirit can open our eyes and our minds to, those things that can stop our walk to victory. Just some of the things that can prevent these showstoppers. One, I said, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus at all times. Don't look left or right. When it comes to the things of God, don't have a plan B. Don't have a plan B. Focus completely on God. Let him be your everything. Truly, truly your everything. Truly your everything. 
You cannot do A today and do B tomorrow. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't be pulled to the things that should not, be, should not concern you. Don't be distracted. Distraction will only you veer of the course that you should be on. And how do you keep your eyes on Jesus? Focus on his word. Read his word. Feed on his word. Pray. Praise him. Worship him. Join in the corporate fast. Set up time and have a, your own personal fasting. Just a, a, you know, one day's a small, small, small food will not, will not do anything. It will not disrupt that your craving for food. No, it will not. It will help you. It will help you. Praise the Lord. So it's important that we keep our focus on Jesus. 1 John 5, 4 in, in the NLT talks about faith. It says, for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. So, there is no victory without faith. There's no victory without faith. The Bible says, the just shall live by faith. And we find this in four uh, parts in the Bible. Habakkuk 2, verse 4b, Hebrews 10, 38. Those are just some of those two. The just shall live by his faith. Not by another person's faith. Not by your pastor's faith. By your own faith. You need your faith. You need your own faith to walk in victory. You need your faith to walk in victory. Jesus even says, says, be it unto you according to your faith. Be it to you according to your faith. Let your faith work for you. Let your faith be firm. Look for things that can shore up your faith. You have people that you can talk to that can encourage you and build up your faith. Don't forget that. And the third one is pay attention to your helpers. You see, in life, they say a tree does not a forest make. There are people that God has given the assignment to help you, whether you like it or not. They are there. People that are going to help you, to guide you. People that God has placed there to encourage you. Because you know what? The Christian work, sometimes as you go along, you are going to run into stations that may discourage you. That's the truth, because we are all human. But what do you do? There are people that are there who can say, you know what, what you are going through, someone else has gone through it, I have gone through it, so this is what we do. Let us pray together. I hope you'll be in prayer. Don't neglect the helpers that, people have, have, uh, that God has placed in your life. There are those people that God has given them the, the spiritual assignment to support you, to help you as you move along. Don't close your mind to instructions. Pay attention to instructions. When they are given, listen to it. Don't have a closed mind. Have a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit. Don't have a mind that says, I know it all. I do not need to learn anything new. And But most of all, I would say, pay attention to the ultimate helper. And the ultimate helper is who? The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is our ultimate helper. Jesus has said he will send him to us. He will teach us all things. He will help us. He will comfort us. He will strengthen us. The Holy Spirit is there to help you, to guide you. Don't neglect that reason. Don't grieve him. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, it says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. If you grieve the Holy Spirit, he will move away. He won't even give you notice that he's moving. And you still be thinking everything is okay. Whereas that power, 
Because that's the can do power of God. That power would have gone. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to the Spirit. Submit to those that God has put over you. Submit to, to those that God has put over you. Praise the Lord. Then flee from sin. Flee from sin. Everything that will make you stumble. Sin is ungodly. Sin is ungodly. Sin is a reproach. The Bible says that sin is a reproach to any nation. And the same way, sin is a reproach to any child of God. Reproach means disgrace. Disgrace. When we have all sin in our lives, it's a disgrace to the name of God that we profess. It's a, it's a disgrace to Jesus that we look upon the one that is our role model. Sin is what that does. It says, stay away from sin. Don't rationalize it. Sometimes we like to quote sin or we like to justify it and say that this is how it is. It was because of this. Make excuses for it. Don't excuse sin. Call it the way it is. That's the only way we can receive forgiveness. That's the only way that we can be restored. Praise the Lord. So we confess our sins and we ask God to cleanse us of every form of unrighteousness. Then I ask that we need to be watchful. Be watchful. Be watchful. Pay attention to details. Don't just hear. Listen. I almost made that mistake. Listen. Pay attention to details. Don't take things for granted. Don't take things for granted. Listen. Pay attention. Be very, very prayerful. On this road to victory, it's not going to be a walkover, the one that you just be going straight. There are going to be stumbling blocks here and there. There are going to be distractions, things lined up, and their mission is to prevent you from living that victorious life. You have to know that these things are so. It is not going to be just an easy road that you walk on, but you have been given the tools. You have Jesus as the advocate. You have Holy Spirit, the helper. Just there helping you, guiding you. And as you pray and as you continue to increase your spiritual life, God will be showing you things that you need to do. You know, it's, it, when, we, when we stay in that place of prayer, when we stay and we commit our lives to God, we'll find that even these things which usually are difficult, they become effortless for us. They become effortless. Praise the Lord. And so even as we close, I want us to look at our lives. Look at our lives you know, I, I need to examine mine too because there are some things there that may, that may scuttle my walk to victory. There are some things there that could stop my victory. I don't want that to happen and I believe you also do not. So I want us now to please bow our heads and just talk to God. Talk to God concerning your life. Just as the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of truth, He does not deceive, He does not pretend he will tell you as it is. Ask him, Holy Spirit, tell me that thing in my life. Tell me that thing in my life that I need to focus on, that I need to take out of my life, that I need to get rid of because I don't want my victory to be scuttled. Just ask him now and ask the Holy Spirit, beam your light, your searchlight into me and begin to bring out those things in me that I need to repent of, those things that I need to walk away from, those things that I need to do differently. And I'm going to shut the mic now because I also need to pray about this.
And if you are here, this is for you. You have not surrendered your life to Christ. So invariably, Jesus cannot come and be that advocate that you want. He's standing there, but he's waiting for you. But you have to yield your life to Christ first and foremost and say, Lord, I want you to become my master. I want you, Lord Jesus, to become my savior and my master today. I want to become the Lord of my life so that when the enemy wants to object to my blessing, Lord, you can overrule on my behalf. Today is that day for you. If you have never done that, you have never surrendered your life to Christ, I want you to be, take that bold step today. Raise your hand and say, Lord, I surrender to you. Just raise that your hand. You don't need to come forward. Raise that hand and they'll give you the ushers will put a card in your hand. A life that is saying, today, Lord, I surrender to you. I want you to be the Lord and Master. Yes, I see that hand there. God bless you. God bless you. Raise your hand. Don't worry about who is sitting beside you. This is between you and God. Because when you are not surrendered to him, he cannot be your advocate. He cannot overrule in your favor. Raise that hand to the Lord now. Raise your hand. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. In the name of Jesus. Just it is time to surrender your life and say, Lord, I come to you as my Lord and Master. Raise that hand over your head so they can see it. The ushers will see it. All they will do is put a card. You don't need to stand up and move forward. This is to surrender your life and say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to fight for me. I want you to stand, Lord, and impress and command that blessing for me. When the enemy wants to object to it, you will overrule on me in my favor. Lord, I want you to do that today. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And the rest of us, let's just begin to round up our prayers. Let's ask God in your finite mercy, Lord, have mercy on us, O Lord Almighty. Expose those areas of our lives, O God Almighty Father, that become showstoppers, O God, even to our work with victory. Help us, O Lord, as we walk in you. Help us to be steadfast in you, Lord. Help us not to scuttle the victory that you have already given to us, O God. Give us the grace, Lord Almighty Father, Lord, to serve you as we ought to, to honor you as we ought to. Father, Lord, to feed upon your word, O God Almighty. And offer us the grace, Father, Lord Almighty, so that we'll shed our lives of anything that belongs to the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. Honor, majesty, and we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed.